Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. President Franklin Roosevelt loved and sought comfort and solace in two things. The King James Version of the Bible and our Episcopal Book of Common Prayer. It is these two things he used to weave together and craft a prayer that he addressed to over 100 million Americans. The largest, or one of the largest, instances of mass prayer in all of human history. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and true. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will be sore tried by night and by day without rest until the victory is won. The darkness will be rent by noise and flame. Men's souls will be shaken with the violences of war. For these men are lately drawn from the ways of peace. They fight not for the lust of conquest. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. They fight to let justice arise and tolerance and goodwill among all thy people. They yearn but for the end of battle, for their return to the haven of home. With thy blessing, we shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Help us to conquer the apostles of greed and racial arrogancies. Lead us to the saving of our country and with our sister nations into a world unity that will spell a sure peace, a peace invulnerable to the schemings of unworthy men, and a peace that will let all of men live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done, Almighty God. Amen. Roosevelt addressed this prayer to the nation on the evening of Tuesday, June 6, 1944. A day etched into the fabric of our American history. A day of heroism when the Allied forces stormed the beaches of Normandy 
in northern France. When we tend to think of heroes and heroines in our lives, we tend to think of those who have fought and those who have died for our country. I was in the 10th grade when I was walking out of the activities building on the campus of Meridian High School. We were going from first period to second period. And as I walked out of the activities building, a good friend ran up to me and said, we're going to war. And I said, William, what the devil are you talking about? He said, the Twin Towers, the World Trade Center in, in New York City and the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., they, they've been bombed. We're going to war. That day at school, there really was no school. As the day lengthened and we went from class to class, there was no class. It was only eyes affixed to the TVs and ears attuned to the events unfolding around our nation. This Tuesday, we will remember, we will reflect, and we will commemorate the 17th anniversary of 9-11, another day etched into the fabric of our American history, another day of heroes and heroines. When we tend to think of heroes and heroines in our lives, we tend to think of first responders, those men and women who risk their lives to save ours, those men and women who put themselves in harm's way to ensure our safety. Today I want to talk to you all about another group of heroes and heroines, lesser known perhaps, but not to a lesser degree. In 1878, the yellow fever epidemic hit the city of Memphis hard for the third time in only a decade. 2,000 people died daily. After the worst of it was over, 90% of the population had been affected by the disease, and over 5,000 people died. Constance and her companions, also known as the Martyrs of Memphis, did not flee the city like many other people for fear of contracting the disease. Constance and her companions stayed behind and provided relief for the sick, comfort for the dying, and homes for those who had been orphaned by the yellow fever epidemic. Constance was a nun. She was a superior to the Sisters of St. Mary's in Memphis. It was she and the Dean of St. Mary's Cathedral, the Reverend George Harris, who initiated the relief efforts in Memphis. Reverend George Harris was a former rector here at the Chapel of the Cross, and he also married into the Johnstone family, marrying Helen Johnstone, the daughter of Margaret and John Johnstone. And of course, Margaret Johnstone is the person who built our Chapel of the Cross in memory of her husband John. 
one of Constance's companions, was a Reverend Charles Parsons. A picture of him can be found on the wall outside of the offices here at the church. The Reverend Charles Parsons, like Constance, succumbed to the yellow fever epidemic. He also married into the Johnstone family, marrying Margaret Britton, a granddaughter of Margaret and John Johnstone. Each year at the Chapel of the Cross, we commemorate and we remember the, he, the martyrs of Memphis. We remember Constance and her companions, heroes and heroines, those who showed forth the kingdom of God by staying behind in the city of Memphis. They too risked their lives. They too lost their lives. Jesus says today in our gospel lesson, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. Constance and her companions, they served Jesus, not by fleeing the city, not by fearing for their own lives, but they served Jesus by following him, as he says in our gospel lesson today, following him the bedsides and into the homes of the sick and the dying. We can learn something from Constance and her companions, the martyrs of Memphis this day. We are called not to believe in Christ, but to follow Christ. We are called to follow Christ, and that demands an action from us. I think we're all pretty good at believing in Christ. But as your priest and pastor, I would rather us follow Christ. Because following implies a belief. But following also demands an action. We serve Christ by following Him. By following Him to the soup kitchens, to our daily bread and stew pot, in Jackson, where Jesus himself eats lunch every day. We serve Christ by following him into the wards of our prisons. For it was Christ himself who told us to visit the prisoner. We serve Christ by following him and standing up for the poor and the voiceless. By following Christ to the margins of society, where society tells us it is not okay to go. We serve Christ by following Him onto the floors of our hospitals, by visiting the sick and comforting the dying like Constance and her companions today. We serve Christ by following Him with arms wide open, to welcome the refugee and the stranger, for it is him who, for it is Jesus Christ Himself who told us to welcome such as these. Often we are in search of God. Often we are in search of Jesus Christ, of being close to Him. If we go into those places, like Constance and her companions did. There we will be, and there we will find Jesus Christ also.
Amen.